Welcome to Baseball's Inside Journey, the podcast that helps players and parents grow their baseball knowledge. This is the show that specializes in youth baseball. And now, here's Coach Drew and Eric Powers. All right, we return to Baseball's Inside Journey. What's up? I'm Eric Powers with Coach Drew. Hey, man. In the building, man. Ready for this. This is going to be fun. This is podcast number two, and we appreciate uh, you guys listening and sharing with your friends and, and getting the word out. And we actually just returned from Arizona where it was, I don't know, 70 degrees? Hey, it was a lot better than last year, I'll tell oh, you that. Man, beautiful weather. I mean, sun, families, great food, jumping baseball. in the pool, baseball. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. I, and I saw it from one vantage point as, as a parent, and... And you saw it on the field as the head coach. Yeah, boy, it was a uh, it was a bittersweet yeah. uh, tournament for us because we didn't we didn't yeah. throw strikes. Right. I mean, we beat ourselves. Or we went uh, we what we think we played five games. We lost four of them. Yeah, and three of them we got mercyed. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty embarrassing in a lot of ways and and for, heartbreaking for us. You well, know, yeah, yeah, yeah we've been sure. working our butts off. I mean, the kids have been working their butts off, and our, us coaches have too. Absolutely, uh, since the middle of October. And for us to go down there and perform like that was pretty disappointing. But, um, but you know, they're 13 years old, so you can you can grow from this, and and hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to do that. If so, you're not winning, you're learning, right? I mean, yeah. Well, that's the idea. Yeah, right? no doubt. Yeah. Well, speaking of, I'm if you don't mind, I'm going to just jump into this. I have a question, and I think some of the parents do too. Okay. And now that we got you on the hot seat, let's just ask. So you had kind of our premier pitcher, uh, and you had him pitching for five innings. Yep. And then you had another pitcher uh, who pitched for three innings. Okay, sure. Yeah. So I guess I'm just trying to understand why one would go longer and the other one not as long. And how do you analyze and look at that and break that down? Because as parents, we, we don't know. We're confused. Oh, I see. I see what you mean. Well, largely because of more pitch count than innings. I know a lot of a lot of these tournaments and probably, obviously, some of the parents are, are talking, mm-hmm. wondering what the heck's going on, right? Totally. It was more about pitch count. And when I when they had both similar pitch pitch counts at that point in the games, and I pulled them out because we're early in, we're beginning in the season, right? We're just mm-hmm. starting out. Kids have been pitching, but their arms are not in shape yet, and it would be uh, be poor form on my end to to extend them longer than they should already go. So seventy pitches was was kind of my limit for these guys going down there at any one given start. But in these tournaments, they actually have innings rules. More oh. than pit, they don't have pitch count rules. The oh. Little League has pitch count rules, and I like that. Uh, but these tournaments have an innings rule. I did not know that. Yeah. So, so for instance, uh, the one kid you're talking about, our, our ace pitcher that went yep. uh, five innings, well, he threw roughly 70-ish pitch, pitches, right? So the other kid threw about the same amount of pitches in three innings. Wow. So okay. when you look at it from that standpoint, the kid, they're both throwing the same amount of pitches. Yep. But I'm telling you what, the kid that threw 70 pitches in three innings is going to be a lot more tired after those three innings than the yeah. kid that threw the same amount over five yeah. innings because they're higher leverage innings, yeah. high, higher leverage pitches. Each This kid's pitching with guys on base. He's getting behind in the count. He's... He's got a, you know, he's not throwing strike one, strike two. He's getting behind ball one, ball two, mm-hmm. and battling back. Every single pitch is a challenge. It's just not clicking. That right? makes sense. Yeah. So that's why you know coaches will will do that. But um, and again, from my standpoint, it's more about the pitch count and 
and the pitches that they're throwing in those situations, how stressful are those pitches? Yeah, and okay, another question on this. I'm going to throw at you real quick. Is when, when you and the coach, the head coach goes to the mound and he's having that conversation with the pitcher. Us parents are all just sitting there, just, you know, all eyes, all attention is on you. And, yeah. and we're always wondering, what is that conversation on the mound if you don't mind sharing? I mean, a, a typical mound conversation. Yeah, a lot of times you, you go out there and depending on the kid, you're you're really trying to calm them down a little mm-hmm. bit. Maybe even even if it's not their fault, maybe you just go out there and, and allow them to get a deep breath. And it's like, hey, just wanted to kind of break it up a little bit um, and come talk to you. Uh, and maybe then we talk strategy. We talk strategy with the catcher. Hey, this guy's a first pitch fastball hitter. Let's start him off with a breaking ball on this one. Hey, we got a first and third situation, so we're going to run our trick play. Things like that that we'll we'll do to talk about to kind of maybe take the pitcher's mind off it a little mm. bit, but also then kind of refocus him and say, okay, and then like the last thing you you tell him is like, okay, hey, just you know do what we've been practicing, get into your legs, just be directional towards your catcher and get after it, man. You got this. That's and awesome. Say something very positive to them, keep them uh, encouraged, and give them. I like to always give at this age. I like to give them a mental reminder of some of the mechanics that we've been working on, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I'll I'll leave and make sure they all know what they're doing. It seems I'm, I'm not kidding. It, more than any other tournament or games or I've ever seen, it seemed to work almost every time. They would get better right afterwards. You yeah. got to feel pretty good. I mean, a lot of times I didn't know there's so much strategy. I thought it was more of a break on the arm. Uh, you know, get them kind of thinking about something else, calm them down. But there's a lot more getting them to think about your strategies sure sure yeah, that's yeah. the idea you know you, you really need them you know especially at this age at the 13u level they're not really thinking as much out there as you would like them to be mm-hmm. they're just they're just throwing the pitch that the catcher throws down for them right and so and even in in our case i actually call the game i call the pitches relay them to the catcher who relays them to the pitcher um that is actually very controversial for some because they don't like the idea that they're saying that the catcher and the pitcher don't get to work together to figure out how to pitch. Mm-hmm. But in my case, and I think a lot of people think the way I think, is that we're teaching them how to pitch. Mm. That is if you go and tell them why you did it this yeah. way. Because that's not always what happens. You just do it because you're going to win the game or you're because you know better than they do, and that's fine. But I don't. I think you're doing them a disservice if you don't then go and tell them, why did we throw this pitch in that situation? Why did we throw a first-pitch curveball to the number three hole hitter, mm. right, with, with bases loaded? Totally. Boy, I don't want to get behind, right? No. So I want to throw a throw one right down the can for mm-hmm. this guy. Well, guess what? That's what he's looking for. That and so you have sense. to know what the hitter's looking for. You have to kind of look for their tendencies, how they swing, and you you have to teach those kids what they should be looking for. But at this age, they're still learning, so so we call those pitches for them. Makes sense. So coming up next, it kind of all comes together with our two next guests, and it's all about kind of the heart and soul of the show, and it's Baseball Beyond Borders, and it's very near and dear to you. But you got the guest coming up next, uh, the, the founder, uh, yeah. Buki Gates. He's going to be on the show just in a second talking to us Yeah, about it's this. really exciting. I, I, I know uh, Joe Townsend's also going to be on with mm-hmm. him. He's a good friend of mine that I've been playing baseball with and against for about the last 20 years. And he's a part of Baseball Beyond Borders, which is a is a uh, part of the RBI initiative from Major League Baseball. They're the local affiliate here in the Seattle area. So it's really exciting to have them on, and I think it's going to be a really good show. They're coming up next right here on Baseball's Inside Journey. I'm Bill Freeberg. My son Dave and I own 1866 Slabjack. We raise sunken concrete. If you have a settled sidewalk or uneven driveway... 
Don't worry about the high cost of replacement. We can simply raise your concrete back to where it should be, leaving you a clean level surface. Our process is quick and easy and a fraction of the cost of replacement. Give us a call. one 866 jack. Welcome back to Baseball's Inside Journey with Coach Drew and Eric Powers. All right, we return with our special guest for Baseball's Inside Journey podcast. This is number two. I'm Eric Powers. Coach Drew, how you doing, man? I'm doing good? great. Happy to be here. Man, this podcast, it, it, time flies, man. It just goes fast when we're doing stuff together. It's so th- fun. This is cool, man. Baseball is our life. And we've got two incredible guests on the show today to talk about Baseball Beyond Borders. And I don't know if you guys are aware, but Seattle Mariners and EL1, which we work with, they're, they're leading this national youth sports training company, launching new training training centers to expand equitable access and uh, participation in youth baseball and softball and these really cool state-of-the-art facilities. So we're going to learn a ton about this today. Let's start with Buki. So you were actually drafted uh, by the Minnesota Twins, correct? That is correct. Uh, Minnesota Twins in 01 and then the Arizona Diamondbacks in 02. And also, Buki, you're a Coug, right? That's right. Go Cougs. <laughs> <laughs> Go Cougs is right, man. My wife, A.O. Pies. I'm with you. That's awesome. So, um, and then Joe, of course, you know, you and I have been playing baseball together, but, um, and I know you played at Long Island University. Correct. That's very cool. And then uh, one thing that I, I know is that Joe is also a uh, Hall of Fame inductee in 2021 to the MSBL Hall of Fame. And that's uh, the uh, Men's Senior Baseball League. That's a national organization. And uh, it's something that I've been playing in for some time. Joe has, and they have. We have World Series and all sorts of different uh, tournaments all over the country. There's, there's, gosh, I don't know how many different uh, MSBL affiliates we have all over the country, but there's thousands and thousands of, of players and leagues. So it's re- very cool. And What's up, know? Eric Powers, Coach Drew? We are back for, of course, baseball's inside journey, and we've got a very special guest on who has uh, not only uh, really helped us in the community with baseball, but really made a huge impact on our kids. Um, and we can't say enough great things about the one and only Craig Bishop in the building here, or on the phone, I should say. That's um, right. Thank you guys for having me. Um, really excited, man. I, I first, I, I'm learning so much about you. We are learning so much about you just by seeing kind of your history and what you've done for 32 years coaching 13 to 18 U Seattle area summer select teams. You coached at uh, the college level, Wenatchee Valley College from 94 to 96. 12 seasons as the head coach at Inglemore High School, uh, 98, 2004, and 2018 to 2022. And two times King Co. Coach of the Year, 99 to 2018. And I didn't see you put it down here, but Kenmore Cardinals, you created them. I mean, what? Yeah, that's, that's what I understand. Yeah, my wife and I are certainly proud of that. Something that we, uh, we started the, the local youth, uh, um, I guess, team that was affiliated with the Little League. Uh, my wife was the president of North Lake Little League for a few years, and so that was something that we wanted to do to add to the experience to the kids. So certainly proud of the Kenmore Cardinals. Absolutely, and, and I think some people don't know that, and it's just cool to get that out there. You Also, so 2011 to present, general manager of Merchants Baseball Club, currently 13 baseball teams and three softball teams. How do you manage all that quickly? How did just kind of your everyday person make an impact with Baseball Beyond Board? Good. How do they go to website? Do they go to social media? What's a way they can learn and get involved? I think it's a passion, and I'm lucky to be able to make my living in sport. But it does take a lot of management. I'm lucky to have a lot of great coaches and support people that help me manage it all. And you know what? You've also a handful of players. You've obviously coached have played in the 
big leagues, every kid's aspiration and dream when they get to certain levels. And that's got to be just incredible. That's got to be an incredible feeling. But if, it also seems like when you make an impact on a player at any level and you see that change and how much it, it, it really involves into their life and, and makes impact, that's got to be important too. Yeah, you know, it's extremely satisfying. Um, I've, I've kind of found I was fortunate to coach a lot of great players uh, early in my career at the college level and, uh, and then in, at a summer select level where many kids went on to play professionally and in, and in major college baseball. The older I get, the more that I'm really enjoying the, the work that I'm, I'm doing with the younger kids uh, and the community work. And the, well, it sounds like you got you are getting some very good recognition too from MLB. I mean, I noticed that you're baseball beyond borders and it's incredible just looking down this last list is amazing at, uh, not only a, a lead instructor for el1 general manager for el1 woodenville but a, let's get into this 2022 and, and present district manager mariners training centers and in that yeah, partnership that, you know craig that's something i i wanted to ask you about and so uh obviously you've been with el1 you've had your merchants program and you were uh very i was very flattered to have you ask me to uh, start up or help start up your 12u program last year um and so with all of that, now I know that you have been promoted to district manager of the Mariners Training Centers. Could you talk a little bit about that relationship with the Mariners? Yeah, sure. Exactly. Uh, so. Um, um, EO1 Sports is a nationwide company that's really in, in the youth sports industry. We have football, softball, and baseball. Um, but in the Northwest, 80s, not, um, we have been very 90s. fortunate so uh, to partner with uh, the Mariners. And so now we've opened up uh, the Mariners training centers. Um, we've got five facilities, Puyallup, um, uh, Tacoma, Seattle, Redmond, great. and Woodville. Uh, um, Another question I have real fast um, is, is, so now you've mentioned RBI um, baseball, which is, is the MLB's uh, initiative, right, to just reviving baseball in the inner cities, and, and that's actually what originally got me very, I want, you know, Eric and I wanted to be able to support um, some non, kind of non-profit uh, that, that obviously focuses on baseball, because that's where our passion is, and, and so I knew about and provide, the RBI uh, program, and I actually, that's how I reached out to Joe Townsend about this, is to say, hey, um, I know you're involved, and, we, and we can you tell me more about it, and, and, and how can we get involved as well? And then, of course, uh, Baseball Beyond Borders came from there. But So can you explain kind of your relationship so with the RBI program? Are that are very important to the Mariners, and therefore very important to us as we represent their brand. That's huge, man. So talk a little bit about, you've got so many things on your plate coming up this season, and you talked a little bit about kind of the merchants, uh, well, EL1, rather, training facility down by T-Mobile Park. Now, is that facility, when's that all going to be live, open, and available? Well, I know that the goal is to have that facility open this summer sometime. Um, the All-Star Game is certainly a target, but as, you, as we all know, things are, things, it's a lot of logistics. I actually have a meeting this afternoon with the Mariners um, to talk more about that in terms of their vision. Um, I, my, my belief is the intent is to have a training facility, but also a, a, a fan game day experience facility, um, you know, so that's exciting for us here uh, this summer is, is, is when it's scheduled to open and, and we will help them manage that um, maybe coming in but it's, it's, it's just another facility in the northwest where people can come and enjoy baseball and softball you know craig one, one of the things i find really uh, interesting with such a small world in the baseball community is that um i, I noticed that that you 
are partnering yeah, also with Baseball Beyond Borders, uh, which actually turns out to be a uh, the, the charity, the, the baseball uh, nonprofit that we're supporting here with uh, Baseball's Inside Journey. So very small world on that. I was hoping you, maybe you could talk a little bit about what that relationship looks like as well. Yeah, absolutely. So Fuki Gates, who's the founder of Baseball Beyond Borders, is uh, a gentleman that I've known for many, many years, back even when he was a player, um, was an amazing player, and ended up going to Washington State University. And, and, and Buki is an, in, uh, he's an activist. He is a, he's a man who his goal um, is that play. equitable opportunities for young men and women <laughs> so to play baseball and softball um, in and perhaps more underserved communities. And so um, uh, we're meeting with, with him, and, and it's wonderful to reconnect with him. That's very cool. Um, hey, you know, Joe, you had you had actually told um, me a little bit about that, that the RBI West Regional is coming here the Seattle area. And that leads me to the question, how did you get involved with Baseball Beyond Borders and or the RBI program? It's hard to provide support, not only... I like to sit back and also be like a fan for these kids it's to funny come that and play. I have this and, and have that same experience that perhaps, at all times uh, to reward kind of more, the gentleman that, uh, that, I'm, that I'm on this podcast with. So he's, he's working hard to do that. So awesome, uh, we're right? looking like to expand with him and partner um, with him so that baseball like beyonders teams I'm around are how deep he goes to help out our kids. For us, it gives me goosebumps. Like again, baseball beyond borders is are they affiliated with the RBI program through Major League Baseball? Trying to figure out how to help a young person. Yeah, my understanding. Is that game they are the mm -hmm. RBI to, for me to have the opportunity to tag along so yeah, they're the vehicle. RBI and for people that don't know quickly because we I, I want the the um, families and, and, and friends and parents to understand the merchants program and you both can talk about this but, but since that is your primary right now or one of your primaries obviously EO one but talk about the merchants program so people understand that now being a kid from New York City sure, I had so the no, merchants I have program no clue, was founded, had no clue at the time about uh, any of the demographic wise who was good who wasn't good who had baseball basically as a group of parents which a lot of these I've been out Leeds, Cleveland High School uh, at the time had not had high school baseball, baseball for the last six um, years. Certainly, uh, so that, as that evolved, mm -hmm. so I was in a strictly was, rebuild uh, situation, uh, but I didn't I know ended it. Up right? Switching mm -hmm. um, health tryouts, maybe to be involved in twenty kids came out, and, and has out of those twenty kids. A handful Six of them have played some sort of now what so, we currently are at. When I saw that, then I knew what I was doing. AU right? to 18. But then that, that and triggered the, a different uh, push in me. really learned to enjoy as to the why youth levels. In, and it's in a lot of fun. Like it's great Seattle, to see that More of our kids um, are playing baseball at a higher level. Right? Yeah. So then as I investigated and, and realized why, then that drove me to want to find a way to create a better atmosphere for them in the game. So we want to promote that desire as well. But the then, development for those young ages is something work, that, uh, um, that, that is community. at the forefront of what we're doing. And then the other programs was playing for I was actually hoping, I mean, I know that I know it, but I was hoping you could kind of describe the differences of different programs out there. There's, there's, there's tournament teams, right? There's select ball, travel ball, club teams. Can you kind of break all that down a little bit? As I become connected with the Banditos, they were at the time Seattle teams. And the reality for that is there's many different opportunities for families. So over at that time, the youth teams in our area for their regional team and driven by their little teams to California. They have three these programs that wow. play and then at that time, one thing I really myself and important for merchants, it's important other, for many, many and it programs wasn't in the, the right area time and right consistently making sure that jump these in the same programs play Little League. Um, I believe in Little League. I stepped away um, from RBI for, for a little, little while and became political and with just a wonderful the drill club environment. And, and, and so our select programs supplement that. And then years down the road, I'm in conversations with Bookie and seeing the platform being creating, I knew that this was the right time. And so I asked him if 
playing anywhere between 40 and 50 games a year. And as they get to high school, then they're playing that same 50 games but in a much shorter window, so it's much more of that Like I said, I'm just like a... I'm like a fan all the time of his and anything I can do to, to help promote what he's doing, to be played um, every day. I'm right there to do it. Um, not man. I love that story, Joe. That's great, man. That's just that's a great introduction um, so for people to cool understand your timeline and, and, and how it all works. And a question for you, uh, um, for you, Book, um, is how many kids do you serve? Yeah, you know, and I'm glad you said that. I'm curious because this show is a really podcast all about serving the youth. I'm totally supportive of Little League, and also one thing that should be noted too is that you were North Lake Little League coach from 2005 to just most recently 2021, and as well. As a board member from 2005 to 2013, and so it just shows how you have supported the Little League and youth baseball in this area. And with that, I think there's a lot of, and we're hoping that a lot of the listeners today are going to uh, gain something from this in the sense that we're trying to find out. What they should be, what should be like the number one thing they should be thinking about when considering a program to go play for once they leave Little League? Uh, you know, what kind of questions should they ask? What should they be looking for out of a program or a coach or, or what have you? Right, yeah. So I guess just before I get into that, one thing I am really proud of is the fact that I've, I've been fortunate enough to coach at every level from college to T-ball. Um, and so I have, I have a lot of experience in all of those levels. And so um, as people start to look for summer programs, they just need to every kid start to ask questions like, what are the roster sizes? Obviously, what are the costs associated with that? What do those costs cover? Um, what does your indoor facility space look like? How often are you getting together? Um, obviously, who are the coaches? Um, what is how many games? Right. So I I'm constantly amazed at some we get we see programs where they play 30 games. Right. So for a 16U player to play 30 games, it's not enough. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, our goal is um, 50 games on the course um, of a summer plus a high school season, which is 20. So 70 to 75 games is an appropriate amount. For you know, that, that brings a, up a question that you had um, mentioned a little bit earlier so the in the podcast here about, about coaches, too, right? And um, so, obviously, I, well, not obviously, I just got out of a little league as far as coaching goes. I still coach a little bit for my daughter. But one of the things that every little league comes across is a lack of coaches and maybe quality. Programs have different and, ways of doing and, things, which is great. It's just all about everywhere. Choice. In the you know, country, what, how do you what, find what coaches into? and how do adding you on to that, Craig? Um, I loved it when you, know, you spoke to the, the parents at uh, the merchants' tryouts, and you said it's a two-way of, street. And you got into the conversation of you know it's it's got to work for us, but it's also got to work for you. And I think as parents, sometimes you know we're just so excited for our child to be on a team they want to be on, and we're salivating and excited, and we sometimes don't look at it as a two-way street. And that made me think differently. Can you talk about? About your mindset with that? Sure, absolutely. I mean, select baseball is about my program selecting players, but those players also selecting our program based on what our values are and how we go about our business. And in doing so, when we make that public, it allows us to be accountable, right? Because the one thing that I that my biggest promise for merchants' families is is that you have access to. You may not always like the answer, but you do have access, and you will get an answer. And we have 
any specific policy we have that to do uh, more either it will be, as we say, or we'll work to fix um, it. Because I think you have um, passion. You know, and I think that's one reason why we've had great success in the past. And, and certainly, want the program's not for everybody, just like other programs aren't for everybody. But, but our goal at the end of the day is that you know what to expect so that you can make educated choices as to your child's future. Yeah, you know, Craig, I've heard people, especially during my years coaching in Little League, that are concerned about how travel ball, select ball, um, is affecting Little League in that way. And and that some people, you know, you'll see it every once in a while where you see some really talented players and decide that, you're not kidding there, that, you know, they're too good for Little League. They, they don't want to do that. They're going to focus totally on playing select ball. Eric, you know, I know that one thing that you've had a lot of Everybody's choice, obviously, but how do you feel that of that plays out? Baseball and the baseball Would you agree that there are times when maybe a player should just focus on select are ball, hoping or to do, do you think there's something to more to that you guys network with perhaps that, um, that with the community we're trying to develop here with our, you know, I think our podcast can have and their cake and eat um, it too. I think what i would like to do is be able to put some of your information worlds. up on our website um, so for and example, uh, for, our so people can kind of look and see how they can support they baseball beyond borders and the efforts you guys are putting forth so we'll definitely want to get that up there as much as we can and on our social media as well and with you guys, if they're playing so. with yeah, their 100%. friends, and one, one thing I was going to ask you guys too, and, and, and Joe and, and Ricky, can you, I mean, so you guys can maybe time, respond how you want, but I love the Jackie Robinson game, quote that's on your, your site, so and me, it, it talks about a life is not important except for the impact it has on other lives. And speaking to parents and youth on this, Joe, do you want to you want to start with that? Yeah, so it's very important that from you know when do you think your child should Focus just on baseball, a, or should they always right? be multi-sports, like, or is there a, a cutoff when they're in high school? The success of one you know, that's person, a really good question, right? Eric. I think so it's, we uh, all it's need so to feel fluid. I think it's a lot of it has to do with, you know, I tell kids to play a sport to until a someone tells success, them they're not good enough right? anymore. And, and it doesn't you know, mean so sometimes that means that a kid plays basketball or baseball even college baseball. And while they play baseball, it might be a place in baseball administratively or spend the extra time and energy to focus on baseball for two main reasons. Number one, they love it. And number two, it's necessary for them to continue to stay with their peers who perhaps might have a better skill set. You know, there's um, right. not so something it's along the spectrum, right? What so myself, the, the range between, well, that, you know, that thing might just be and strength giving and that, that young person that so extra rep. There's no right or wrong answer to that. So five more minutes of ground ball. capable just, of playing varsity basketball. Right, it's, it's I'm really what it's about to help the young people explore a passion, a game, mm-hmm. you know, a, a dream. I want a kid that is coming to my baseball team that has just finished up playing highly competitive with 300 people on the stand screaming at them, and they're comfortable in that environment. You know, so I want as much of that competition as possible. So you're supportive. You're supportive of of kids playing multiple sports, even when they are. Also committed to the merchants. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, you know, I, my my, my focus is when it's baseball we season, we're asking parents to have that be their priority. Mm-hmm. When it's football season, I'm asking for the kids um, to give their coaches and teammates the honor they deserve of having that be their priority. Basketball season, so we'll work with kids to try and find ways for them to stay up to date with our curriculum over the course of the winter workouts. And we can do that in open facility time and other avenues. But when the day's over. I guess I just want kids to really be um, committed to what they're doing in that 
moment to honor their coaches and their teammates. Because if it was June 15th, and I'm expecting the players to show up for baseball. If it's October 10th, and the kid's playing football, I'm highly expecting him to honor that commitment and be all in on that football You know, and burnout, of course, in in any sport is is something that you hear about a little bit. Um, And I I have heard of it. I haven't. My son's only 13 right now, so it hasn't hasn't affected him, or hopefully it never will. But what do you think is the number one reason that kids burn out in baseball? And and when would that be, even when you see that? You know, I feel like I might actually have a better feel for it in softball. With two daughters that both have played softball, one currently on a 14 it it would it drives me nuts to think that there are kids that you are serving and in you know in other parts of the country that don't have access to it that would like access to it and that's just there's no question that just can't happen anymore you know we try to do things like building weekends off heart-wrenching it really is because baseball i you know anybody that loves the game understands that whether you made it or not professionally i mean joe and i play in this men's league you know you play because you love the game and you love being around the guys and all that stuff but you, you love the game and that's that's why i keep going out and doing it because i just love being around it and it would break my heart 13, to not be able to get out there and, and play anymore now when we get and to I just imagine how that would be yeah, for somebody that just doesn't have the access and, to and it especially when they're a child we're all in man i mean i gotta say we're all in with baseball beyond borders and love to support you guys any way we can and spread the word and take it from there and we really appreciate you guys coming on the show kids aren't really mentally mature and tough enough to really be in that environment and frankly as a parent it's not very so how do you manage uh, the baseball talk at your house? Your wife's a coach. You're obviously a lead. Your kids all play baseball. Is there a bishop turn off the baseball talk at your house? Gosh, you know what, Eric? There's not. <laughs> This has been a production of Baseball's Inside Journey, LLC. This podcast does not constitute advice. Now, your son obviously can grasp playing D1. Do you leave it to all his coaches now? Do you give him any thoughts, any advice when he has his at-bats? He's playing offense, defense. Do you ever feel like, I've got to say something? Or do you just let the uh, coaches do what they need to do and you say what us typical parents say, hey, man, fun to watch you play? Yeah, I, it's been an evolution, Eric, to, to get to that point because um, I was lucky enough to coach Teddy, my son, growing up all the way uh, through high school. Um, and But now that he's in college, I you know he's a young man, and I'm trying to let him do his own thing. He and I talk about his swing, and we talk about him and how he plays because it's just a, a nice way for us to connect. Uh, but certainly I don't have any conversations with his college coaches because they're the, you know, that wouldn't be to his benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, And ultimately my goal is very simple that he achieves his goals. And um, so I have to make sure I make choices that are consistent with his goals. You know, Craig, that, that actually is uh, what you just said that would not be to his benefit. That's actually a subject that we spoke about briefly in our first podcast, which was kind of that relationship between the coach and the parents Mm -hmm. and the kids and when to talk about, 
concerns and who should be talking about those concerns about playing time or, or whatever those things might be and and when does that transition happen to where the player needs to be the only person advocating for themselves so that's uh, it's it, I, I think it's great that you brought that up because it's it's certainly something that i think we all know uh some parents have different ideas on right and so uh yeah i mean i can i've i've uh, i've had a lot of experience on both ends of it, um, you know, my, my son has been a, uh, a role player all through college um, at, at every level. And so there's been lots of time on the bench and lots of time for him to prove what kind of a teammate he is, which I'm very proud of. Um, and But it's also very difficult as parents. So I certainly have a, a tremendous understanding of, of the desire to ask those questions and, and want to get information because sometimes teenagers don't exactly – communicate effectively with their parents and so a lot of times kids and parents will say hey well how can this happen well i don't know um you know so my goal is that kids are given the information that they need to communicate with their parents and if not then we can get parents involved but uh, um you know going back to that original conversation that i know you had on the first podcast yeah i would say you know i agree completely with you coach that uh um 13u is that time where we really try and ask kids to advocate for themselves um, at the 12U and under, we're asking them to learn to advocate, and uh, but at the 13U and up, we're we're requiring it as a first step, even mm-hmm. if that first step is difficult, but uh, uh, but one that that uh, that we do require for 13 and above. Um, full well knowing that all parents want is the best for their kids, and uh, so it would be odd if they didn't want to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we can if we can have coaches and parents come into it with, I guess that that desire to help their kids we we can find solutions but if one or if either or both parties come in in a frustrated mindset then it tends to be so counterproductive a hundred percent now andrew's goal with this podcast that that he came up with was to educate parents and to help parents and so along those lines and, and kind of the conversation you're having what advice should you know parents hear about having those post-game conversations with their kids in the heat of the moment um, where they know what the kid did wrong, uh, they believe they should be trying to uplift them, help them feel better, but nine times out of ten we say the wrong thing at the wrong time. What, what advice do you give for us parents? Yeah, you know, there's a couple different ways to go about it. I tried the with my own children. I tried the original you know, hey, we're going to we're going to just be really, you know, positive and supportive in the car ride home. And then when we get home, perhaps we can talk about it so we get a chance to decompress. Um, I found for my children anyways that I needed to kind of as because I was their coach, you know, so I needed to look at it from a different point of view. We tried that with 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 Teddy one day on a three strikeout day and neither of us slept that night. We just because we got <laughs> home and we were, you know, it just really, really kind of killed the drill in our communication about it. So we made the rule that um, I was still coach until we pulled into the driveway. And then once we got out of the car, I was dad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that doesn't necessarily work for everybody, but it certainly worked for our family being, you know, now if I was a parent that was not the coach, then I would probably, you know, rely on the, um, you know, the car ride home being a positive, hey, enjoyed watching you play. It was fun. You know, it was great to see, you know, your friend do really well. And, you know, the team's looking better. Etc. And then when we got home, hey, was there anything about the game that you'd like to talk more about? You know, maybe let them initiate that conversation. Um, you know, but it, it's not easy. It's certainly not easy. Um, but for me as a coach, as their coach, I needed to have that conversation before we got home so that we could get back to family time. That's Makes awesome. Sense. You know, Craig, one of the things, one of the missions of this podcast is, of course, to give 
you know, young families and kids, players, uh, access to information and, and answer their questions and, and things like that. And so, um, I want to ask you, you know, what advice would you give to players and families who are maybe just starting out on their baseball or even softball journey? They're maybe playing in Little League. Maybe they're 8, 9, 10 years old, kind of showing an aptitude to, to play. Maybe the parents don't know a lot about what to do and um, getting caught up sometimes in the emotions of the other teams that are coming in and all those types of things. What kind of what would you advise them to do uh, and, and what kind of advice would you give them? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm. This may sound very, very simplistic, especially at the younger ages, but it, it relates to all the way to conversations that I've had with my 22-year-old son. Um, if they're having fun, they'll keep coming back. So basically, the concept is is that give them as much as they can handle and still have fun. The minute that you start to see that it's not as fun for them, not on any given day, but it is a body of work over the course of time, perhaps a half a season or a few weeks. Because um, on any given day, things are going to be tough. You know, that's just a part of the game. And that's mm-hmm. one reason why we love it. Um, but ultimately, as they grow, you keep adding events. You keep adding, you know, perhaps more training, perhaps a, a, a team with a greater schedule. Um, and if they continue to have fun, then you know that they're building at a, at a rate that they're socially and emotionally able to handle. But if you take that jump to a select team and you add 30 games plus Little League and they're like, I don't want to go to practice today, Dad, that's certainly a red flag because then if they're not having fun, they're not coming back. right? And we all love this game so much. We want our kids to keep playing. Well, in order for them to keep playing, maybe we got to back off for a second, let them kind of do their own thing, and then they'll find their way back to it. Mm -hmm. And if they don't find their way back to it after a few years – then they're probably going to be done anyways and find other things that make them happy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, that's been one of my biggest things. And, uh, and I'm sure we could talk about this on, we got to have a whole nother podcast probably on just some of these subjects, but that's been always my, my big thing with my son Grayson and any kid that I'm coaching is I, I'm hoping that they have enough balance in their life that, that they don't dread going to practice or, or dread doing some of the baseball activities that we're asking them to do because uh, what, my biggest nightmare would be for Grayson to be 15, 16 years old and then all of a sudden decide he doesn't mm-hmm. want to play anymore because it's been kind of a job for him. So we're Right, gonna... and it happens. It happens, Drew. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I've got to make sure we stay away from that. But, uh, uh, yeah, you know, Craig, I have to tell you, I mean, we really – appreciate you on the on the podcast today yes. it's been this, as you know this has been something that we've been thinking about and working on for quite some time and so it's a real honor to have you come on and and talk to us a little bit and maybe we could have you on again sometime love to have you back yeah thank you guys so much it's exciting and fun what you guys are putting together and uh, and i and i'm excited just to continue to get that word out and, and just be a resource for families because uh, i think when the day's over we just want more people to to be in the community and more people to to be involved in, in such a wonderful game because it really teaches our kids a lot about themselves absolutely and i think us parents need to to thank you so much man for everything you've done and the groundwork you've laid and we've all been impacted one way or another uh through little league or, or kc or merchants or just you know your your name uh, or, or you know what's interesting too even coach drew i mean some of you know your co some of your coaches have played for yeah. uh for craig you know back in high school so i mean it's just you've touched so many different lives i don't even, i'm sure you realize but it's so interesting to see how it's just permeated throughout all the decades through all the years yeah i'm very proud of that i'm very proud of there's there's many coaches there there's probably three or four current high school head coaches that played for me and and uh, guys that coach in college, head coaches at the college level that have played for me. And so it's just it's fun to kind of see and follow and, and feel like I can continue to mentor them. And, and I learn from them, too. 
Um, you know, I think that uh, as coaches, the, the day we're done learning is the day we should be done coaching. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, I agree with that. Thank you so much, man. We're going to have you back, and uh, what an honor to have you on, man. We really appreciate it. Thank yeah. you guys both. Thanks, Craig. This has been a production of Baseball's Inside Journey, LLC. This podcast does not constitute advice or services and is designed primarily for educational purposes only. We encourage your feedback and topic ideas at Facebook forward slash Baseball's Inside Journey.